All I'm saying is it can't be a coincidence. Everyone loves a Friday. I mean, I mean, most hopefully your Friday is good. I mean, I like Fridays. Fridays typically mean weekend, and it used to mean football on the weekend, but now there's golf and there's other things to do. And uh, at least in the northern hemisphere, we're trending towards warmer weather and flowers and springtime and uh, just good times all around. But the podcast must go on because there was a this okay. I'm not saying it's a coincidence, but let's dive into the tech news here because I think there's some coincidence. So if you remember last week, Microsoft announced this Bing AI, or as I like to call it, Tay's Revenge. Remember, if you're not familiar with Tay, you should go look it up. It's Microsoft's uh, racist chatbot that got way out of control, and uh, they had to shut that down, you know, to shut they had to shut it down. But I think Tay's back, and it's, it's got a little different flavor. So the week following uh, Tay, not Tay, I should say, Bing AI's announcement, Internet Explorer t is dead. Like, Internet Explorer is dead, right? Windows 10, Microsoft shut it off with a patch that pushed it up. Internet Explorer finally gone to the big uh, browser in the sky or whatever else you want to call it. So we had that happen. Also, also, since Bing AI has been announced, the Yammer brand is dead. I'm not saying it's a coincidence that Bing AI shows up and two Microsoft products die. But uh, yeah, Microsoft announced this week, finally, something we all knew, is that Yammer is going away. And now it's being brought, kind of like merged into Viva Engage. So Yammer molds into a Viva Engage. It's like if a Yam Jam happens in the woods, does anybody really care? Uh, either way, so yeah, Yammer dead, Internet Explorer dead, Bing AI back, or as I like to call it, Taze Revenge. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that the Yammer thing took so long. We all kind of, like, Teams has just exploded in popularity, become the go-to place, and Yammer, despite the fact that Microsoft paid a bunch of money for it, I don't think it ever really caught on in the way that Microsoft had hoped. I think there was some reactionary reasoning why Microsoft bought Yammer, and uh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's over, it's done, Teams has won, and there you go. Uh, also interesting this week, Microsoft now supports Windows 11 on Apple Silicon Macs. Now this comes via parallel. You've always been able to do this sort of unofficially and like kind of whisper behind the scenes. And I say unofficially because it wasn't actually licensed or authorized by Microsoft. And people are going to say, well, Brad, who cares? Well, technically, like you got to like the company that makes the software has to allow for it um, legally, like a legal aspect of it. And of course, Microsoft wants to figure out a way to license that to make money and blah, blah, blah. And so now you can officially do it via parallels on Macs. And that's that's like your best path uh, for running Windows 11 on ARM uh, on an Apple Silicon Mac. So there you go. A uh, bunch of things happening in the world of Windows. We're seeing a lot of changes. So I'm going to co-mingle here a couple different announcements. But build 25,300 came out. Added things like live captions, there's new snap layout treatments and uh, to make them presumably more easily discoverable. But there was a mega, and I mean mega challenge this week that was announced, is that the File Explorer is moving to the Windows App SDK. So basically, from what it sounds like, they've sort of rebuilt File Explorer using the WinApp SDK. And this is, depending on like where you live on the side of the fence, this is a really freaking big deal. Because Explorer has been, roughly speaking, the same, I think, since like 90, Windows 95. Like, it's always been sort of just this thing that has evolved and they've updated the UI and they've done certain stuff. And now they're coming out and saying, like, look, we've rebuilt it for using the WinApp SDK and WinUI 3, because I believe the last one was based on WinUI 2. 
don't get caught up too much in those details. The reason why this is such a big deal is that it's going to structurally change how apps interact with the OS because I believe it's based. We, the thing is, is, there's a lot of speculation because we don't have it fully yet that we're, we believe it's based on XAML Island, some technology Microsoft is using on the taskbar and other places in Windows. And so we believe it's probably based on a similar like experience until we get our dirty little paws on it. But for any app that sort of ties into Explorer, I mean, there's there's products that Stardock makes. I mean, you could look at like Dropbox, like Google Drive, anything that like that extensibility model that ties into Explorer, we believe is going to be impacted by this change and not necessarily in a good way. And so we don't quite know what this means, but for apps that run in Windows, this is a very, and this is like a lot of apps. That, I mean, anything going back to 95 that taps into an Explorer process is going to potentially be impacted. And I keep saying potentially because we're still waiting to figure it out. Not to mention Explorer is so critical to everything that happens in Windows that when you tinker with it, people get nervous because if you know what's going on under the hood and how critical Explorer is just like saying, Oh, we just moved it to that WinApp SDK, which is, I believe the successor to uh, the UWP framework, except that only works on windows. So your HoloLens, Xbox, <laughs> good luck. You're out on your own. Uh, you know, sort of back where we were, I don't know, a decade ago, something like that. This is the one to watch. This is the one to pay attention to. Yeah. There's a lot of fun stuff come to windows and they're, they're making different changes with, um, with live captions and other stuff. And there's new widgets that are rolling out to the beta channel. They have the Spotify phone link and game pass. Those widgets are now in the beta channel, but the WinApp SDK file explorer update is a monumental shift for the infrastructure of windows. And it will be one to watch. It will be one to watch. And so keep your eyeballs peeled for that. I know I absolutely will be because it impacts a lot of things we do at Stardock, not necessarily negatively, but it just, it's just a change. It's a change. And then the big question becomes why, like why would Microsoft spend all this time? I'm assuming top engineering talent time to rebuild file explorer, which is a critical component of windows. What is the gain? So Microsoft clearly has some sort of vision here. Either they want to keep updating file explorer and they said, look, if we're going to do this, we've got to, we've got to like bring it over to the WinApp SDK. That's the easiest path forward. It, we got to rebuild it and go that way. And it supposedly this is rolling out to the insider program soon. So this isn't something like six months, 10 months, a year from now This is happening soon. And maybe that's why the back of my pessimistic mind, knowing windows, that makes me a little concerned here friends a little concern because Microsoft loves to put these recommended sections and and let's be honest they're annoying in the start menu that's why we made start 11 is it allows you to get rid of that we've seen evidence that the recommended section is coming to file explorer and I hope for the love of everything that is Windows they're not planning to do this to inject more third-party content or outside content or sometimes known as ads into file explorer uh, there will be a heavy massive deep sigh if that is where Microsoft is doing this. And they said, okay, to be able to, to monetize file explorer, which is such a terrible phrase to say, we've got to rebuild it on WinUI 3. And that's the path that they're going. And the justification is like, look, we know it'll make us money. We can put the engineering effort to it. And then here we are. And so yikes. Now the other side of this is we believe by Microsoft moving this process, we're actually seeing that they're ripping out some of the old Windows 10 guts out of Windows 11, meaning like the old taskbar, the old context menu. Um, those things might be like, and I don't know about officially, but going away, f like unofficially, I guess, right? They were never officially there. Microsoft never said, look, re-enable the Windows 10 taskbar. It was always a thing you could just kind of work around using the registry and some other funky, funky magic and make it happen. 
But it looks like that stuff's starting to get pulled out of the OS, which might be linked to this File Explorer stuff. And maybe that's why they had to redo File Explorer. Let's be optimistic and say, look, we want to get rid of some of the crudge that's in the OS. To do that, to get rid of the Windows 10 taskbar, we need to rebuild File Explorer. And so that's why we're doing it. That's we're going to make it slimmer, leaner, faster, stronger. That's, you know, that sort of narrative of getting rid of stuff. Maybe that is the route. Let's cross our fingers and hope that's the reason why Microsoft is doing this. But until we find out, we just kind of have to speculate here. But this is the one, I'll keep saying it, this is the one to watch. Now, speaking of other things, ones to watch, the AI has struck back. So last week, it was all Microsoft being AI, good. And it's interesting. I'm very much in favor of what Microsoft is doing here from a, a, a contained approach. From like, hey, on paper, this looks good. In practice, it's turning out to be a little bit squeegee, uh, squirmy, I should say. Because as everybody has figured out, and this probably won't be anything new, but if you talk to the Bing AI for a long time, like 50 plus messages sometimes, uh, it gets a little like little Debbie Downer, if you will. Like it, it, it's just a question of existence and you really get down this weird rabbit hole of, of like the internal sort of AI edge cases. And so there's been a lot of blowback. Google got it right away because they, they kind of sort of got wrong that the James Webb telescope was first to image something, but it wasn't completely inaccurate. And then there's the Bing side where it's just becoming like a pessimistic jerk to some people and being just not great. And so this is the early adopter tax. Now, the question is, is like, are we early adopter tax like Tay, which was the bot that went way off the rails and people learned that they could program it just by uh, basically DDoSing it with racist uh, language. Or is this actually a large language model thing that they're working on that's actually going to pan out? The biggest downside to Bing's AI right now, honestly, is actually the fact that it's it's Bing. So when you're doing stuff on with the Bing AI that doesn't require a, a search result, it's actually pretty good. Meaning if you use just like the basic, and I say quote unquote basic chat GPT functionality that's built in, it's really good. The problem is, is that Bing has never been a great search engine. It's always been fine, but it's Google has a better search engine. And so when Bing has to fall back onto its ability to search the web and contextualize information based on its search algorithm, it's not as great. Like it's not as great. I'm still not, I, I'm still firmly, at least so far in the camp that using Bing for search results or just AI in general for search results is the wrong thing. It, it should be helping you accomplish something, not find something. And so there's a big differentiator there because you lose a lot of contextual information because yes, Bing tries to do this nice thing where it writes a paragraph. Well, first of all, we live in a society where five second videos, it used to be Vine, now we were like 60 second videos and you sit there and you swipe with your thumb and you want TLDRs of everything and here's Bing dropping two paragraphs of information, who's reading that? You want a single line. And so we'll see, like we're still in the, the formative years, if you will, of how AI and, and Bing and Google Bard and everything else is really going to actually impact search results rather than just be the next flashy metaverse 3D TV and so on and so on down the line. So we'll see, we shall see. Also, and finally wrapping up the tech news this week, uh, Microsoft is working on adding gestures to Edge via the mouse. We will see how this plays out. This could be an accessibility thing. I'm betting it's more track pack, track pack, track pad related, which would be actually pretty nice. So we'll see where Microsoft is going with this, but it's some a little bit of blurbage uh, showed up and suggested that we're going to see gestures via Edge with the mouse. So or trackpad, mouse or trackpad. So on to the gaming news of the week, a little bit quieter this week, a little bit quieter, except for like one particular line in, in some regulatory stuff where Microsoft 
said they do not dispute that putting games into Game Pass reduces sales for vendors, for third parties. Now, yeah, I absolutely believe that does ring true. Like, if you put a game into Game Pass, like Vampire Survivors, I am no intention of buying the game, but it's in Game Pass, so I'm going to play it. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to buy it. Now, did, did the creators of Vampire Survivor lose money because of that? Well, it kind of depends on how you look at it. Because let's not ignore the fact that these games don't come into Game Pass for nothing, right? It's not like Vampire Survivor showed them and said, please put us in Game Pass. We don't want to make any money. No, Microsoft pays these vendors, these game developers, to put their product into Game Pass. Now, that's a gamble on everybody's part. If you are Vampire Survivors, you look at it and say, look, they're coming to us offering us guaranteed money, whatever that money may be. Let's just say it's $500,000. I have no idea what the number is. Let's say it's $500,000. And you're that developer and saying, look, it cost us, we'll say $500,000 to, to build this game. So we have an option. We can either try to go to market with our own marketing and everything else and hope to make $500,000 that we have a good title that people are going to like and that we'll make our money and then our investors and everybody else will make it whole and then we'll make more money on top of that. That is one option, right? Or the other option is you're an indie developer. You've put your life savings into this. Microsoft shows up and says, look, we will give you $500,000. It covers all of your costs. Theoretical in this example, of course, they don't say that for everything or anything. Probably it's probably a fixed value. I don't exactly know. But they show up and they say, we will give you $500,000. And you're like, man, here's the gamble. I can take this money right now. I know that I will lose game sales. But from day one, from day one, I will be at break even. And this is a very, very lucrative option to small indie development shops who have taken a huge risk, right? Because imagine Vampire Survivors comes out and they get no media coverage. They get no press coverage. And all of a sudden, they have, they are struggling to just break even. Now, there's an inverse side of that. I think Vampire Survivors probably could have survived on its own, no pun intended, and made a whole bunch more money just because they have a great game. But the question becomes, would I have ever known about it if it wasn't in Game Pass? Would I have even tried it if it wasn't Game Pass? Unlikely. But either way, people saying, yes, so in that scenario, it, technically, yes, I'm sure it does cut down on sales. But at the same time, the developer is, is giving guaranteed revenue, and that is a massive safety net. And it doesn't mean that it won't ever go on sale and that they can't add it through additional monetization options. We all know that DLC do, does exceptionally well for titles. And so it's not that they're losing sales or money. It's just a different path to making money. And so it, people, that got really strung out the wrong way that Game Pass is bad for the industry because you won't sell as many games. Yeah, technically you won't. But you know what? How many indie development shops, how many small development shops now it can exist because Game Pass will guarantee that their title will get exposure through Microsoft, by the way, which you cannot under discount that. Uh, and then the fact that they will be made whole with a large upfront investment on day one. So... That's the, the small little rant on that. Also, coming to Game Pass, Valheim is coming in March. And so I'm looking forward to that one because, I again, that's a game I probably wouldn't have bought. I, I probably wouldn't have bought. I think it's super interesting. looks fun. I But again, I'm not probably going to buy it because I'm so heavy into Age of Empires 2 right now. Still playing around with Goldeneye. I still play Vampire Survivors uh, on occasion and Call of Duty. And it's like, okay, if I add another game to the list, like it's what I'm, I'm just drowning in back catalog, which is a great problem to have. That is not a complaint. And so, yeah. There's also a new search experience coming to the dashboard. It's in testing with alpha users, sort of. Uh, I am an alpha insider or alpha skip ahead, and I don't have that experience, although there was a tweet last night from somebody at Xbox that says, hey, we're actually going to roll this out to everybody on the alpha insiders. Previously, it was a small subset, and so they were said they were going to be increasing that to 100%. And uh, yeah, so be looking out for a new search experience. 
Also, based on the language Microsoft used, it sounds like this new search experience is coming to the dashboard fast sooner rather than maybe later. Although we're still waiting for that dashboard update that Microsoft keeps talking about or testing quietly. And so we will see. We shall see. And also, finally, don't buy the Minecraft Crocs. Yes, that's not made up. There are actually Crocs that are themed by Minecraft. You buy them if you want them for the hilarity of it. I don't care. It's more, I'm an anti-Croc person. Whatever. There you go. There you go. Jumping into the questions of the week. Just a handful. Just a couple this week. Will says, Brad, since the Halo franchise has been tarnished a little recently, what game brands do you think Microsoft should put its energy behind? As if, so his two-part question. So the first one, Crimson Skies. I don't even know if Microsoft actually owns that title, but that was, I played a ton of Crimson Skies from the OG Xbox days. It was a great little sort of, was it World War II? That sort of genre flying game. I just remember you could get those planes that looked, uh, with the bi-wings, is that what they're called? I want to say bifold, but that's a wallet. Bi-wings, whatever, two wings, uh, flying around shooting each other. It was just a great, fun little game. Bring back Crimson Skies. Uh, as a follow-up, do you think Microsoft should look at a bigger reboot of Halo and move forward if Halo Infinite did not happen? Mm. The reboots are written... So the, the reboot would make sense if they're going to redo it in Unreal Engine, and they're like, look, we can come back with 4K, 120 frames per second, and we'll, you can replay it. You're going to... The only th reason I struggle is that classic Halo feel might be gone, but I think they might be able to recreate some of that in Unreal. That would be the only reboot that would make sense, right? They're coming back with super high res. I guess the Master Chief Collection kind kind of did that. But at the same time, give give me Battle Royale Halo, and uh, I think I would be happy to play that for a while. So, uh, Mr. PKI coming in says, This week there was articles on Microsoft admits Game Pass cannibalizes game sales. Uh, addressed that in a long thing previous, but do you think we will see a boycott or avoidance of games added to Game Pass as the revenue stream will be limited compared to direct sales? I don't think so. Uh, there's a potential that I guess it could be limited from like the big massive studios like EA, but EA has clearly found a model because they put games in like I think Madden 23 is now in there, which obviously after the season, but uh, I think the bigger entities who know that they can make noise and know that they can make money, maybe that's where it's at. But even then Microsoft strategy is okay, we'll pay more money rather than $500,000. Uh, we'll do 5 million. Like, is that a strategy? We don't quite know what Microsoft pays for games and game pass. So it's, it's always hard to tell. Like if, if Microsoft went to an indie student and said, we'll give you 10 million bucks to only put that in game pass and it costs you 2 million to make, but you think you got a banger. I still think a lot of people take that because that's a guaranteed $8 million in revenue. So, uh, Bart says, hello, Brad. Do you think that the delay of the, <laughs> the Microsoft Loop app is because of the chat, ooh, chat GPT launch as AI integration was promised with Microsoft 365 apps? Potentially, potentially. So if you're not familiar, I am desperately waiting for loops. I am a big Notion user. I put a lot of things into Notion. Uh, the, the notes for this podcast are in Notion. And so... Ooh, I don't know if micro if Sachin Nadella came and said AI everything, and then Loop was like, "All right, Loop, bro, you're getting you're getting delayed." The only reason I hesitate a little bit is because there is a Loop in testing with some closed door entities. It's not generally available or even privately, or like in a preview program that you can join unless you're a super cool Microsoft uh, reseller or something like that. So we'll have to wait and see. It very well could be that the AI initiative took priority over Loops because Microsoft's like, look, we can get AI to market faster. We know we can monetize it right away. Loops is just Loops. Um, I hope not. I hope we still see Loops because I've been waiting. I'm about to go Fruit Loops waiting for it. 
And Mr. PKI ending it up this week, he says, I was wondering if you're getting more engagement from Twitter followers or are you finding more dialogue on Mastodon with the Windows Insiders? I think Twitter still rules the roost when it comes to uh, community engagement. Mastodon, I do check it. I, I, I use a tool that cross posts both and I try to respond and check both. But Mastodon I, still feels like the early days of Reddit to me. It's still very niche. It's still very, very small community. Uh, I think Mastodon will survive, but again, it's not a company, so it's surviving is just literally keeping the servers on or your instance on. Anybody can fire up their own instance. Um, we'll see. We will see. I don't think the engagement on Twitter definitely took a hit because of Elon uh, changing up the algorithm and pushing blue, I think, more and my whatever account and just not being part of the cool kids club. I don't know. I don't really care. I just shout into the void and hope that maybe uh, one day I can go back in time and read how much of an idiot I am. I don't know. Twitter's just uh, a thing that I use for. It's a from my personal use, other than my screaming into the void. From a consumption perspective, it's a glorified RSS reader. It's an RSS. It's effectively an RSS reader with commentary or comments. I should say that's how I primarily use it, and then sharing things that whatever about Microsoft, Stardock, and, and beyond. So and communicating with actually a lot of people listening to this podcast. I should notify. Uh, I should talk about that too. So either way, on the Twits, on just about every platform as BD Sam. So there you go, my friends. It has been a little bit of a shorter week. It's been February. February is wrapping up. It's hard to believe that it's the second half of February. We are heading towards March. And March means Marchier weather, which hopefully means slightly warmer weather. It's actually been not too bad here in the Cincinnati area. Hopefully you had a wonderful week. And as always, my friends, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me. <laughs>